Welcome to ERM Perspectives, the show dedicated to credit union enterprise risk management. If you're interested in hearing perspectives on enterprise risk management directly from the people who do ERM at credit unions, you've got the best seat in the house. I work with credit unions every day so they can have their ideal enterprise risk management program. I'm your host, David Seibert. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to this episode of ERM Perspectives. I'm your host, David Seibert. I'm going to kick this off by saying NCOA, the National Credit Union Administration. We all know the NCOA as a key regulator and as an insurer, and we always want to know more about the NCOA. And that's what you and I are going to get from today's episode, because I'm delighted to have as my guest today, Mark Treichel. You're probably familiar with Mark, but let me fill you in a little. Mark spent 33 years at the NCOA, serving as a principal examiner, supervisory examiner, director of special actions, regional director, and finally the top spot at the NCOA as executive director. So I don't know who could possibly know more about the NCOA. Since leaving the NCOA two years ago, Mark has been helping credit union CEOs with everything related to the NCOA. Welcome, Mark. David, thanks so much. I'm thrilled to be here to chat today. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. I let our listeners know about your NCUA background, but I'd like to hear from you. What else uh, can you tell us about yourself that you'd like to share today? Well, so, you know, 33 years at NCUA, I can tell you that at the end of my career, uh, I always thought that maybe I would dip my toe into consulting. And I'd had, before I left, I had a couple of credit unions reach out to me saying, hey, if you go down this path, this is, you know, we'd like to have you help us with NCUA. And, you know, so I retired in June of 2020, in March of 2020, uh, back with two weeks to stop the spread. I took the action at NCUA to stop going into onsite exams, and which was, which was literally within a month. It was a month after I had announced that I was going to retire and my re replacement has been picked and I had like three months left. And so I had these grand plans as you know, a lot of people did when they go into retirement. Uh, I was going to dabble in consulting and I kept my wife and I had bought a class B RV, which is, is a van essentially. And, you know, we had it plotted. We were going to drive around the country. We had music festivals picked out uh, across the country. We had national park reservations. And then, you know, the world changed. And so we ended up basically bunkering down and I did a lot of yard work. And instead of initially running around in the RV, I listened to a lot of podcasts, ironically. And I decided instead of dipping my toe into consulting that I was just going to jump right into the lake. And I took two months off. I retired for two months. And then I thought, you know, let's see. Uh, what I can do to help credit unions. And I really just kind of expanded my plans in that direction since I couldn't really travel anywhere. So I took on a few clients early on in, in that process. And then in uh, December of 2020, we headed south and we spent six months in, a, in our RV in Florida, moving around from state park to state park. And it was a great way to do these calls because it looked like I was, you know, it looked like I was in a van when I was doing these calls. People wondered if I was in a boat or a yacht or an RV. And so I would, I started my business essentially in an RV for six months mm -hmm. and we ended up buying and, and moving to Florida at that juncture and uh, have since sold the RV because of it was opportune to do so, but we lived in it for six months. So that, I guess that's one side 
side comment to you know one of the things that we love doing and it, it it played a big role in in the beginning of my adventure in retirement and you know i'm just really enjoying being on the other side and being looking at things from an entrepreneurial perspective but then also taking what i've learned in 33 years and that some of my team members have learned to try and assist credit unions in ways that i couldn't when i was actually the regulator and lastly i'll just say you know, you walk through the things I did, problem case officer, examiner, uh, director of special actions. In those positions, I had more direct contact with credit unions and you could be more of a, a, assisting to credit unions than I was when I got into higher levels at NCUA. And I really enjoyed that. And my team members who are helping me now really enjoyed when you can help a credit union. So being able to kind of go back to where I started and do that and even so more so, I would say, with some of the things that we've been able to assist on. But it's been, it's fulfilling to be able to, to serve credit unions in a different way and also learn some new things along the way. Right. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. I much appreciate that. And that it makes sense that you spent more time directly with credit unions in those earlier roles. So it's nice to know you can get back to doing that now and, and feel like you're really touching the credit unions and helping out. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying it a lot. And congratulations on dealing with adversity over those two years, having a plan, being disrupted, uh, jumping in the lake and becoming a consultant, but then eventually still getting out on the road and traveling in your RV in Florida. That's that you, you took advantage of it all and you got it done. That's awesome. Yeah, it was good. It's like what Mike Tyson said, it's great to have a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> That's right. And welcome to Florida. So I'm in Florida too. It's nice to be here. And also congratulations on your podcast. You had me on your podcast. Thank you for that. It's, it's a wonderful podcast. I did. Yeah. I enjoyed chatting with you. And, uh, Again, that's a that that's a way that I'm enjoying being able to 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 reach out to credit unions and kind of share some of the things that might help them. Yeah, well, let's dive into some of this. So, again, it's been about two years since you were at the NCUA, and in some ways, that's not a long time. Uh, but as we know, and we just talked about, a lot has changed in the world over those two years. So, I'm curious. How has the NCOA changed in the last two years since you were in charge? Uh, I think that would be very interesting to learn about that. Well, so over the last two years, yeah, it is a short time, but, you know, the world's changed over the last two years. So, uh, you know, a couple things that come to mind relative to that is I mentioned that uh, I was there when NCOA turned off on-site exams. And at first, you know, everybody thought that might be a short period of time, but it went on and it went on and it went on. Uh, and so for since March of 2020 until about two or three months ago, all of NCUA's exams were remote. And so that was that was a huge change for credit unions. It was a huge change uh, for NCUA, but that's the world everybody was kind of living in. So, you know, credit unions are having their CPAs do work their opinion audits offsite, NCUA was offsite, credit union staff were offsite. And some, you know, with everything, good and good comes from, from things and, and challenges come from things. And I, I think because of that, moving forward, jump ahead, I don't you jump ahead another two or four years, more things from NCUA will be done offsite because they learned that some things can be done. At the same token, you know, in NCUA's uh, letter to credit unions on priorities. They brought up one of their 11 priorities this year is, is fraud in credit unions. And I know they're bringing that up because 
with everybody off site, that creates different opportunities. And whenever they do go back on site, uh, particularly in credit unions that might not have segregation of duties, there, there will be pockets of fraud that they find, no doubt. So anyway, so remote uh, exams um, is one thing that has changed. Uh, they've, uh, the, you know, the great resignation that's challenging every organization that touches NCUA as well, because, you know, they can't get fully staffed, which creates challenges. I have clients in credit unions that have substantial vacancies that they want to fill. So that's something uh, that, that is creating, uh, it wasn't, it, it wasn't planned because NCUA hasn't planned to reduce their staff, but they're, they're also, you know, facing, you know, the things in the world that everybody else is. And then uh, another, another interesting change is how the terms of NCUA board members work. Uh, Todd Harper was just reappointed for a six-year term. And, you know, essentially with an interpretation of, of the law that came directly from the White House, um, it's now possible for a board member to serve more than a six-year term. If you don't start on the day that you're, that a full six-year term is available, that's viewed as less than a full term. And at, moving forward, elig everyone would be eligible for a full six-year term. So Todd, Todd was just reappointed. Um, and and that, that's a change that, some, that a board member uh, can stay in place that long. Those are just a few. I'm sure there, there's a few others, but those are top of mind things that that, that have transpired since I left NC. Yeah, that's yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Those are very real and impactful changes. It's interesting that a lot of organizations are going through those kind of changes, like the Great Resignation, and I you just don't think about oh, it's probably going to affect the NCOA as well. Sure. And uh, and this uh, remote work, work from home, uh, that's just going to stick around for perpetuity now. So that's definitely a big change in how things are going. It is, and and you know, and on the great resignation, uh, one of the board members at a recent um, NCUA board meeting referenced the fact that more than half of NCUA staff wasn't around in 08 and 09, so they haven't mm. gone through any economic challenges uh, in the cycle of their career. So you wow. so you add that to the fact that they're 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 facing the same staffing issue as everybody else is. Mm. That's gonna that that will create some challenges for, for, for NCUA and credit unions, you know, moving forward, because, you know, are, are we, or are we not, you know, in a recession? Um, mm -hmm. Will we go there? Uh, there's, there's clearly, uh, you know, some stress points that, that point to some challenges that could trickle into credit unions, financial statements, which then yeah. could trickle into their exams. Yeah, it absolutely seems that we're heading in that direction. <laughs> it's, it could be tough. So let's talk about uh, Todd Harper's reassignment. Is what's on his agenda that you know of so far, and what what risks might that provide or opportunities to credit unions? David, that's a great question. So uh, you know, th there was a one of the folks that works on my team who used to be at NCUA um, told me a story about about a, a credit union CEO who long ago said. You know, one of the risks that he can't control is NCUA. If NCUA changes a rule or NCUA changes direction, that's something that can sucker punch them and that they might not be ready for. You know, you can control your asset quality, you can tr control your earnings, you can control your systems, hmm. and you can build all that out. But if a law changes, that can create, you know, challenges that you hadn't thought of. So, so from that perspective, so Todd has a long history in the financial industry and has a lot of 
of uh, core beliefs that that he's had and built over that time. And he's come out and publicly said some things of, of where he may want to take NCUA. And I'll preface that with it's a very unique situation on the NCUA board right now. Uh, while Todd is the chair and he's a Democrat, the other two board members are Republicans. So that's the first time, as far as I'm aware, at least it's the first time since my 33 years at NCUA where the person in power did not have a second vote. So that creates a little bit more of a challenge uh, for some things that they might want to get done. You add to that that uh, down the road, the next term that comes up is uh, board member Rodney Hood, and I believe that's April or August of next year. So there will be an opportunity for the Biden administration to put another Democrat in, which might lead to Todd being able to do some things that he might not be able to get a second vote. So one thing I like to do is look at what the board members say publicly. You can kind of, you can pick up some things about, what is it Wayne Gretzky said, skate to where the puck is going. And so in skating to where the puck is going, Todd has said some things uh, that, that kind of tell you what he believes in. So uh, in that regard, he's very passionate about consumer compliance. And I know that NCUA in their budget documents and in some of Todd's discussions, he's talked about having a more robust consumer compliance examination. He's basically said that particularly from the billion dollar to the $10 billion level that what NCUA has in place is insufficient compared to what FDIC has in place. So if you, if you look at that and saying, okay, well, what might he do if he has a second vote? There are some things there that could happen. You could see a more robust consumer compliance uh, program. He also, in that same statement, talked about fair lending. So NCUA does a small number of fair lending exams uh, in larger institutions. Uh, I believe it's about 35 to 40 that they do every year. Well, he wants to expand that. He, he puts some things in the budget. The NCUA board puts some things in the budget to have two staff members uh, specifically tied to fair lending. And I would suspect that there'll be more of that. The other uh, the other issue tied to that, as credit unions get closer to 10 billion, and 10 billion is a key number because that's when the uh, CFPB be, gets involved. There's always been these discussions at NCUA that when you get closer to that threshold, there should be more expectations uh, because A, because of the size and B, because you want them when they move over to, to CFPB, you want them to be you know, squeaky clean. So I would envision that there will be some things that he may put in place relative to that. Now, the NCUA board at the last board meeting, there was just a briefing and there was a discussion. Rodney Hood talked about hoping that they could get a FinTech rule, a big FinTech relief rule that would come forward. And that while we had a briefing today, I'm hoping we can get some final actions done. In response, so Todd acknowledged that, but he also said there's something coming out on cybersecurity. And he also said we could look to see, so there's a rule that establishes the threshold for, for reporting to the Office of National Exam and Supervision. Up until two years ago, if you were over 10 billion in assets, you went over to the Office of National Exam and Supervision. They tweaked that temporarily saying that if you were below 15, you would stay under regional control. So in February, they proposed a rule that said they were going to change it to 15 billion, essentially benchmarking it because when they established that rule, the insurance fund was smaller, credit unions were smaller, but also they were at a fork in the road. They were going to have to take staff from the regions if they were going to 
They're either gonna have to grow staff, grow the budget or take staff from the regions. And that's a big turf issue. You know, the regions wanna keep those credit unions, they wanna keep that staff. So in probably, if not July, maybe September or October, that rule will become final. And I raised that rule because when they did the proposal of the rule, Todd Harper spoke to the fact that he used the words in his view that NCUA should have a large credit union program within the regions. So if you couple his statements about consumer compliance not being strong enough over a billion, you couple that with the new rule that's going to change where 10 to 15 report to, and you couple his statement about his view on the large credit union program, I think all of those things are in play if he gets a second vote. And a large credit union program has been discussed uh, probably for 25, 30 years at NCUA. The Office of National Exams and Supervision was the large credit union program. That was what was finally born of it after the 08 and 09 uh, crisis. It, you know, it's basically, if you report to that, the concept was you're too big to fail, not for the economy, but for the insurance fund. So I can see some sort of mini large large but not the largest credit union program potentially is something that Todd wants to put in play and if that happens I would see uh, I would see another increase in the arena consumer compliance and then lastly on consumer compliance share overdraft programs mm. so Bank of America Citibank other large banks have come out and said that they're they're killing that program they'll do different fees but that that is a program they want to get away from other credit unions have done that. A lot of credit unions rely on that for bottom line, but they also rely on it to serve their members because they can charge lower overdrafts than you might get if you you went to a bank. Yeah. So one of the one of the things that is woven into about three sentences of NCUA's exam priority letter is the fact that they're looking at overdrafts in 2022 overdraft programs. They're looking at audits that credit unions have done, and they're looking at communications that credit unions have done to their members on that. They indicate that they're not gonna make it an issue in the exam, but they're studying that, and it may lead to more exam procedures in 2023 relative to that whole arena. So those, those are some examples of some things where Todd may be heading. He also, at a previous recent board member, made a reference to the fact that net economic value is a calculation that NCUA does. It's kind of a rough justice calculation that NCUA does uh, relative to ALM and the net economic value of a credit union's balance sheets. And it, it discounts the asset side. And I say rough justice because it discounts the asset side without giving full credit to the long-term nature of the liabilities. So it's rough justice from that perspective. And a lot of credit unions, so I was at the New York Credit Union League uh, Association uh, function last week, and that was a, a lot of chatter was, there's credit unions going uh, on NEV from, from low to medium, medium to high, and high to extreme. And NCUA is hearing chatter relative to that. So Todd came out and said that NCUA is going to be come, coming out with guidance on that. So there's consistency across, across mm -hmm. regions across examiners. And also I took some of his words, th these are my words, not his words, but also not an overreaction to where NCUA is making credit unions take steps that might not be in the best interest long-term for credit unions. So that that's a, a, an item I know Todd is looking at to provide potentially some relief for credit unions. Well, that's a lot there, Mark. So yeah, thanks that was a for... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard for me to keep track of all that, but I mean, clearly this demonstrates how you know, you have this 
unique ability to stay in tune with the NCUA and the board members and to be able to read what they say and what they write and what they talk about and extrapolate that into kind of where you think they're going and build this string of pearls that's like, okay, you take this and you take that and you take this other one. That means they're going to do this. And this is how it's going to affect credit unions, especially when it comes to, you know, that 10 billion versus 15 billion large credit union rule that might come out. Sure. It's interesting because while I'm not at NCUA anymore, when they weave a sentence into a statement, it means something to me. You know, when I have client or potential client calls, sometimes I'll say, well, NCUA says something. And in the English language, it means this. So it might mean this to you. But when I see those buzzwords, it means they're thinking something else. And then I can go do some research and go, aha, I can connect that dot over here. And, you know, one, one simple example of that is, you know, I mentioned Todd said in my view. So that language actually came about because NCUA board members, so that the chairman of the NCUA is the spokesperson for NCUA in the Federal Credit Union Act. They're the spokesperson. Hmm. Other board members can speak, right? They can go out and they can do presentations. And so board members would go out and say some things. And then, you know, let's say it was a board member that didn't have the two votes. So whoever was in the White House, it was the opposite of that. They go out and say something. And uh, the other board members would say, hey, you know, you're out there saying that, but you don't have a second vote for it. And it's not going to go there. So we would, you know, so they came up with this language. If you're out there saying, speaking for yourself as a board member, hmm. you need to say, in my view. And wow. if, you're, if you're speaking for the board, you can say the board is going to consider or, you know, things like that. So just subtle little nuances of, of, you know, after 33 years, you pick up a language that that uh, it's a culture thing, right? Well, that's great. Thanks for talking about those exact examples, because it reminds me of how everyone really pays attention to what the Federal Open Market Committee talks about and Jerome Powell. And there's people who are just so well versed in interpreting what he says or what they say. And you have that unique ability with the NCOA and, and the board members. So thank you for bringing that expertise to credit unions. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to share some of that. And some of the things, David, it's like when I hear the word, it's like I haven't heard it for 10 years, but it's, it'll <laughs> knock some rust off in my head saying, oh, yeah, I remember when we put that in place and I remember <laughs> why. <laughs> cool. Well, I think this is a good time. I, I wanted to ask you about how you so what you're doing now, how is it that you're helping credit unions now. I think this is a good time to segue to that because sure. I, I know you work with CEOs, you help credit unions pass their exams, so to speak, with flying colors. I think that's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about what you do specifically with credit unions. Yeah. So the the with flying colors references, I, I, my podcast is named with flying colors. And I came up from that was to help, help credit unions pass their exam with flying colors. So, and you know, my my byline is I assist CEOs with NCUA, so so you save time and money. And so one of the one of the nice things, you know, you kind of talk through the positions that I had at NCUA, and there's certain things that that can create value to assist assist credit unions. And the reality is, I have really good contacts. Everybody at NCUA used to work for me, except for the general counsel. The general counsel reports directly for the board, but all staff other than that reported to me. So. The regional directors, the associate regional directors, all those positions I held previously, they're my, they, they were my colleagues. They were, uh, we, we, we were all part of the same team. And so in, in some situations, you know, I can call a credit, a credit union will hire me and I can, I can call NCUA and say, hey, 
You know, they were trying to do X, Y, and C before. I'm, I'm trying to assist them get over that hurdle. Is there anything else I may need to know? Oh, by the way, you know, if you run into any issues on this, uh, let me know because I'm part of their team and, and let's try and help you get them to yes. And NCUA does, you know, the, they've got a really good team of, of, at, at all levels and, and they do generally want to get to yes, but there may be some scenarios where I can interpret some things that can get them over that hurdle. So, so I do that. I do coaching relative to, you know, what does, I, I have a client who, who, you know, calls me her NCUA interpreter uh, and, and they, that same client uh, has used some of the folks that work for me, which is a, another way I can explain how, how I assist. So, uh, you know, having, all those positions I had, the other thing I did is I, I, you know, I started in Minnesota, I went to Texas, I went to California, went to New York, went to DC, went to New York and went back to DC. And I moved, you know, all around the country, which, which exposed me to not only all those positions, but to a lot of different people. Hmm. And, and as I say, you know, I know who the NCUA best and brightest are. And, uh, and if they retire, uh, and it's someone that can add value to my team, I'll approach them and say, hey, you've just retired, but you want to stay in the game a little bit. And I explain what I'm doing. So, so, you know, right now I've got eight other former NCUA folks that I have relationships that have different disciplines. Uh, there's, there's a, a gentleman who's a director of special actions and was a regional capital market specialist who's on several of my podcasts. Uh, his name is Todd Miller. Uh, there's a gentleman named Steve Farr who, um, Again, he was a problem case officer. He was a director of special actions. He worked in the Office of Examination of Insurance. Todd helps on a lot of net economic value uh, challenges that credit unions are have and basically any, any exam issues that they have. Steve does the same. Steve, by the way, was the, uh, the primary author of the uh, current risk-based capital rule uh, that just went into place. So he knows he's forgotten more about that capital rule than, than many of the people at NCUA currently know. So we did, Steve and I, there's a podcast we did on that topic. Uh, just two super smart guys that, that I knew from early in my career. Uh, Vin Veaton, a commercial lending guy, has 40 years in uh, commercial lending. He helps some of my clients. Uh, NCUA's uh, chief accountant recently retired and she's joining my team, you know, and Cecil's a big topic. So that's something we'll be adding to, to talking to credit unions with. And uh, it, there's a few others uh, that also assist me on field of membership, a couple others that have just recently come on board and uh, the fair lending. I mentioned fair lending. Uh, so the person who was in far, charge of fair lending at NCUA also assists me uh, with my clients. So uh, when someone brings me on and they say, hey, I have a problem in this particular thing, I say, I, I've got a guy or I've got a gal that can help with that. And, and we're having a lot of fun. You know, I, yesterday I, I uh, had a conference call with, with a, a large client and Steve and Todd uh, were on it with me. And we were talk we talked for an hour about one examiner finding tied to disaster recovery. Uh, and they had, they had done a lot in regards to it, but, the, but again, they were able to point out some things, you know, when you frame it back to the examiner, um, use this language, um, because it'll help you get them to check the box that that it's that it's done, and and it's just it's it's we're all enjoying you know assisting from the other side because we liked that when we were at NCUA, but we can now you know be a little bit more blunt, I guess, and maybe give away some of the code words. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's great. That's amazing, Mark. Thanks for explaining all that because, you know, I, I know you bring, of course, a lot of experience yourself. Um, but I can tell how humble you are because when you started this question, you said, well, I have a strong network of people and connections. And then you went on to explain just how that works. I mean, you have all these connections with existing people at the NCUA and then past employees at the NCUA. And obviously you're leveraging those to help credit unions. And boy, that's, that's super powerful. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's, you know, I, I can tell you the first time I did one of those calls where I had like three or four folks on a call together. And then we did it with the credit union. I just, I remember walking downstairs and I said, I feel like I got my team back. It, it, uh-huh. And, you know, it was all about team for me. I, you know, I never, my, I never had the goal of wanting to be the executive director. The board approached me saying, you know, do you want to do it? And NCUA had helped me so much. Uh, that I did it. I'm so glad I did because it it kind of, uh, I had been a regional director for 10 years and some people say, you know, after 10 years, you should do something else. And I went on and did that. And I, I always had this management style of, of support. My job is to support them. It's not to micromanage them. And it's just, it, and seeing people be able to do what they can do and give them guidance at NCUA was what I enjoyed most about being at the executive level. And now to be able to kind of take that and take some folks that still want to do some things uh, at NCUA uh, or, or with NCUA. And, and the other thing is the community, that sense of community you lose when you retire. Mm. I'm keeping that with, with you know, eight, eight folks currently that used to, used to be at NCUA that helped me. And, you know, I, did, I don't know if I mentioned field of membership. I've, I've, I've mm. got someone who, who helps me with field of membership as well that, that's joined the team recently. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's all about that team and there are things that I can bring to it. But the the, the cool thing is it's uh, there's a book, there's a great book called the wisdom of crowds. Mm. You know, when I, when I became the executive director, we had, we had the executives in one room for the first time. I I talked about this book, uh, the wisdom of crowds and the preface to that book talks about back in England in the 1800s, they were giving away a cow and, and you could put a vote in and whoever got it closest won the cow. And, you know, they added, it was Sir Galton was the, the guy who did this. He did the study of all the slips that were, were put in. And if you took the average of all the people that put the bets, the, their, their guesses in, it came to, they came to the right answer. And so mm-hmm. that's the, the preface for this book, The Wisdom of Crowds, that you need to uh, inc- be inclusive to get to the best place. Wow. Just as a quick, so what were they voting on, on for the cow? It was the weight. Yeah. So, oh, wait. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be an important factor. Yeah. It was what, <laughs> what does the, what does the cow weigh? I thought that might be it, but yeah, yeah. that wisdom of the crowd concept and philosophy is very powerful. It's very market like. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. That that's amazing. And I also like how you said that now that you're outside of the NCOA and you're working directly for credit unions, you're on the other side, you, you feel more freedom to to really express your opinion about what ought to be done or what's right. That, yeah, that's so true. I mean, when I was the executive director, I reported to the board in full, your supervisor was the chairman. And, it, you know, I, I had four chairmen in seven years at NCUA by way of comparison, the long-term NCUA general counsel who was there for about 25 years, who left about 10 years ago, he had four chairmen in 25 years. So I would, I had to pivot uh, and NCUA would have to pivot because when a new board member comes in, they have their own thoughts and the board sets the tone. And my job was to, to 
to tell them what they what was legal, what wasn't, but also if they wanted to go in a direction, like mm -hmm. I mentioned, the things Todd wanted to do, the 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 job was to to say, here's here's why that will work, here's why that won't work, but ultimately it was their call. So mm -hmm. um, I always had to speak through that lens of what's the what's the will and the intent of the chair, and what's mm -hmm. the will and the intent of the board, and and I. Now I now I can just you know the the things the things I was able to share relative to Todd, uh, you know, and and where I think he wants to take the agency. I might have known that and more when I was at NCA, but I certainly couldn't say it publicly. Right, exactly. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you have that freedom now. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's enjoyable. Hey, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about enterprise risk management. So, yeah, given your experience, I'm interested in your thoughts on. Well, we all know that ERM is not required at all at credit unions, but it's encouraged and recommended. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where the NCOA requires enterprise risk management? And if so, what would be the catalyst for something like that? Great question. I, do I think eventually at some juncture it will be required? I would say, I would say that's a yes. Um, mm. Whether that'll be two years from now or 10 years from now, your guess is good as mine. The reality is you hit it well. They encourage it and they encourage it in large credit unions. They don't define large credit unions relative to that. But, you know, I, I referenced uh, NCUA's letter, uh, priority letter. Every, every year in January, it's, it was the document that if I was a CEO, I would be looking at. If I was a, in charge of enterprise risk management at a credit union, I would be looking at that. And that, that letter... Uh, so they expanded, usually there's six or seven responsibilities there. Uh, under Todd's first letter, the, the, they went from six to seven uh, priorities to 11 priorities without mm -hmm. increasing staff. So mm -hmm. they're making it more detailed. And as you read through those, they're basically pointing out generally every major rare area of risk that you need to deal with. And then they expect you to relate it back to capital. And then they expect you to relate it back to earnings. And so while they haven't publicly come out and said enterprise risk management is required, uh, the guidance that they put out and the, what they say relative to how you need to mitigate risk does everything but that. So to me, it's just a natural progression at some juncture that they'll just take that next step. And that next step is probably going to be a board member who connects those dots and says, you know what, let's formalize this as a regulation over the top of all of these other rules and guidance and things that we have. And, you know, and, and take that next step towards making it formal. I will say, that if, if I was a, a credit union uh, of any size, that I would want to have enterprise risk management in play because it's going to help you. It's going to help you succeed with your members. It's going to help you succeed with your board, and NCUA views it as a plus when they see it because they know that you're looking at things strategically. Right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing those advantages. And I certainly agree with that. And I appreciate your perspective as well on how the NCOA puts out their yearly priorities and how it does touch on all those areas with enterprise risk management. So it makes sense that, like you said, they would eventually connect the dots and say, hey, this is all 
falls under enterprise risk management anyway, let's start talking about it in terms of enterprise risk management. And let's hear from credit unions in terms of enterprise risk management. Therefore, it's required. And I agree just the fact that enterprise risk management is going to continue to mature over time and add value and be a strategic value add for credit unions. It's just going to mature into uh, basically best practice. Everyone's going to do it anyway. It'll become a requirement. But then the other thing is, I always wonder if there is a catalyst out there that we don't know about. You know, what's that unknown event right. that yeah. triggers it? And they say, well, boom, let's do enterprise risk management. Yeah, I can't, other than um, someone, to me, the, the, the catalyst is going to be someone championing it, to, it, which would either come from the staff level or it can come from the board. Um, st you know, staff is probably, staff has a, attacked it from all the pillars of individual risks. And, and they'll either take that next step and say, let's require it, you know, for large credit unions or a, a board member will do it. But I can't like a meteor strike or something like that. I can't think of something along those lines. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I appreciate how, yeah, it might not be necessarily a catalyst, like, like a big event like that, but just getting more people to talk about it. And like you said, connect the dots. So it makes sense. And I will say that when I was at NCUA, one of the I, I probably can't get the exact year right. So I left in 2018, at least a couple of years before that, we set up an enterprise risk management program mm -hmm. within NCUA, mm -hmm. you know, and, and picked the executives that would lead that, that would, uh, would make a, a report to the board uh, yeah. on that topic. So the fact that NCUA does it itself was a step forward. And, you know, the next natural step is at some juncture, you know, moving to require that for credit unions. Yeah, that's a good point. Thanks for pointing that out that the NCUA does have an, an ERM program and thanks for making that happen. <laughs> you bet. Mark, is there anything else that I didn't ask you or we didn't get the chance to cover today that you want to talk about? Well, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. I enjoyed, uh, you know, learning from you some of the enterprise risk management things that, that you are doing. And, you know, lastly, I'll just say, you know, to your listeners, if you are going through your enterprise risk management um, setup and you have some challenges with NCUA that you're currently having, whether that's an exam or that you had from an exam that you're trying to resolve, uh, you know, reach out and let's have a chat. You know, you can find, you can find me at my website, which is my name, marktrichel.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I do a lot of posts on LinkedIn. And then also, if you're listening to this, you enjoy podcasts. Check my podcast out, which is, again, with flying colors. That's great, Mark. Thank you so much. I do agree. I encourage any credit union out there who is working in enterprise risk management or just in general, if they have any questions about the NCOA, obviously, Mark Trichel is the person to contact. So thanks for sharing your contact information as well. We'll make sure that's available for everybody. Great. Thanks, right, David. Thanks. I appreciate Thank it. This you. was fun. And to the listeners, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of ERM Perspectives, and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. That's all for today's ERM Perspectives. If you enjoyed the show and heard something useful, please do your friends and colleagues a favor and share this podcast with them. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Please contact me if you'd like to be a guest on this show or if I can help you or someone you know. I'm David Seibert, and you can find me on LinkedIn or at my website, davidcybertconsulting.com.